I've heard it said you steer where you stare. We are bombarded daily with voices vying for our attention. And if we fill our days and minds with Netflix and social media feeds, we can get off track pretty quick. That's why I developed a 30-day music challenge. Listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. The challenge is free, and I'll be right there with you every step of the way. Head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 30-day challenge to sign up. Change your music, change your life. You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 482. Welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture, hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. As we get started today, I recognize engaging God's Word for yourself can feel daunting, and while our featured song will give us fresh inspiration as to where to study, the episode guide will give you the interaction tools you need to dig in. So grab your episode 482 guide at michellenizat.com forward slash 482 download. And if you've already subscribed to my email list, this guide is already in your inbox, ready to help you discover and meditate on God's Word in new ways. It's a new year and we need to start it off right, right? Well, what better way than to focus on fear? Wait, what? Well, that's right. We're going to use Brooke Lidgetwood's song, Fear of God, to dive into scripture and learn more about what the Bible teaches us about the fear of the Lord. So before we open up God's holy word, let's listen. Our song talks about two things that will lead us in two directions in scripture. And what's great is that then the song will then tie these two themes together. And when you sing it, you'll rehearse what you've studied, burying both themes deep in your heart. And in Brooke's own words, in her interview with my friend Kevin over at New Release Today, she says this, the lyrics depict Satan as a roaring lion, constantly seeking to devour and bring destruction. However, the fear of God is portrayed as the powerful force that keeps believers safe and guarded. So let's use that as our jumping off point and head over to scripture. So let's start with our enemy wandering around like a roaring lion seeking to devour us. And this is in reference to 1 Peter 5, 8 that says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So before we see how this thought might apply to our lives, we need to understand how it applied to the original readers of this letter. And before we consider the truths of one verse, we need to understand it in light of the whole. So your very first bite is to read the context of 1 Peter. BITE, B-I-T-E, is an acronym for Bible Interaction Tool Exercise, and reading in context is hands down my favorite. If you incorporate no other habit into your Bible interactions this year, this habit will make the most difference. How can I claim this? Well, because you will read more of God's Word period. And I loosely define reading in context as reading the chapter before the chapter and the chapter after your focus verse. So let's let's just play this out. Say your pastor teaches through large sections of the Bible, more of a verse by verse approach. 
if you are led to examine a few verses in one chapter, then when you read that in context, you're going to end up reading three chapters. So when you take that sermon home and you meditate on it further, you're going to have read three chapters in light of the context. Or if your pastor is like mine and leans more toward topical preaching, he might use five or more verses in a or a sections of verses in one sermon. And so this would mean that I would be reading 15 chapters of the text just to take in the bite of reading in context. So again, just you're going to you're going to digest, you're going to read more of God's word by incorporating the habit of reading in context. So for our purposes today though, the verse that I just introduced is in Peter's first letter and it is in chapter 5. And so if you're following the bite as a rule, you would read chapters 3, 4 and 5. But again, it's there's, it's not a rule. It's kind of a guideline, and there is a caveat to the bite rule, um, and that is if it's a letter, read the whole thing. Uh, of course, there are some letters that are quite long, but the majority of the New Testament letters are short enough to read in one sitting. Like First Peter, it's five chapters. And really, would you ever pick up a letter and then just read one sentence out of the middle? I mean, maybe, but only after you'd read it from the beginning to the end first, and that's all that I'm asking. So when Fee and Stewart gives us a guided tour of 1 Peter in their book, How to Read the Bible Book by Book, they remind us that 1 Peter is a letter of encouragement to Christians undergoing suffering, instructing them how to respond Christianly to their persecutors and urging them to live lives worthy of their calling. So just a warning, as you read 1 Peter, this letter has a lot of references to suffering, and that is the lens through which the original readers would have read this letter as well. So even if you are not currently in a season of suffering, you can, with just even just this little bit of knowledge, begin to read the text differently. Now, once you've read it all the way through, and maybe even more than once, I suggest watching the Bible Project Overview video for First Peter. I'm going to go ahead and link to it in the show notes. I love all of their resources. Uh, but for me, my husband and I watched the news together in the morning, and he left early one day before I was done with my coffee. I mean, who am I kidding? I'm never done with coffee, right? But anyway, uh, after, before I was done with that first cup, let's put it that way. Uh, anyway, I turned on the Apple TV. I was going to watch a short episode of something on HGTV. We have that Discovery app or whatever. And I, uh, But I ended up pulling up the YouTube app instead, and I watched the first Peter overview. And it was just such a treat to watch it on a bigger screen. I normally watch it on like my phone or my laptop. I settled in, sipped my coffee, watched the overview, and got a better perspective and that is another bite, which is consulting an overview of the text. Now, in that video, I was reminded that the original reader would have considered their Roman persecutors the enemy. So for Peter to remind them that their enemy is the devil, well, I think that's a big deal. And First Peter 5, 8, again, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Now, this reminds me of what Paul teaches in Ephesians 6.12. He says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And this distinction is important because both apostles, uh, both Peter and Paul, are calling us to love and serve the very people we might consider our enemy. And we can do this because, I mean, Jesus instructed us to, it's our, he's our perfect example, and because the people causing us pain are not the real enemy. 
but the enemy really is scheming and prowling. So we are to be sober-minded and watchful. Now, Peter uses that word sober-minded earlier in the same letter. And if you take the bite of completing a word study, you can discover that it means clear-headed, restrained, and self-controlled. And when I looked it up in the Lexham Research lexicon, in um, it says that it means to curb the controlling influence of inordinate emotions or desires, and therefore become reasonable, conceived of as sobering up from the influence of alcohol. And that, that makes total sense, right? In, in the word itself, it harkens back to a lack of self-control. When you're under the influence of alcohol, it controls you. But when you are sober, you've taken control back from the alcohol. So what a vibrant picture of how we are to respond to the enemy of our souls. We are to be aware. Uh, we are to be expecting an attack, but we are to be sober-minded. We're to be reasonable and in control of our mind and our emotions. In fact, in First Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 13, he says this, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So when you read the letter in context, you will discover uh, what that therefore is therefore. But this gives us just a little more insight as to how to be sober-minded. We are to prepare our minds for action and set our hope on eternity. And our ultimate victory comes when Christ returns. You know, our suffering, it may not end here on earth, but our hope is set on a victorious Savior who has overcome death and suffering and promises, well, listen, in in chapter 5, verse 10, and after you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. All right, so this enemy of our souls, though, is only part of the song and is really the minor role in our story. The headliner is the fear of God. Now, here's the problem. The word fear is often framed as a negative thing that we want to avoid. I mean, you'll hear people say, well, 2 Timothy says, for God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And 1 John 4 says, there's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. Whoever fears has not been perfected in love. And I'm telling you, and and Brooke Lidgetwood is telling you to fear God. Yes, because there are two kinds of fear. There's terror and there's reverence. So take, for example, this verse in Exodus. Exodus 20, 20. Moses said to the people, do not fear, for God has come to test you, that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. What? Is Moses contradicting himself? No, he's differentiating the two kinds of fear. You could read it like, don't be terrified, don't be afraid, for God has come to test you that the reverential fear of him may be before you that you may not sin. Now, here's the thing. The people were terrified and they kept God at a distance and allowed Moses to be their go-between. And here's the problem with that approach. They missed out on all that God had for them. Listen to this, Psalm 25, 14. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. Or Psalm 147, 11, but the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him. Do you need God's direction more than ever heading into this new year? Well, Psalm 25, 12 says, who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way that he should choose. But is the fear of God able to keep us like our song says? Well, Proverbs 16, 6 says, by steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for. And by the fear of the Lord, one turns away 
from evil, which is what we were talking about, the enemy standing fast and and resisting him and turning away from him. So let's learn a little bit more about the fear of God. What does it mean to fear God? Uh, What are the results of fearing God? And then how the fear of God can be expressed in our own lives. And as I said before, the fear of God is to be in awe and reverence of him. Psalm 33, 8 says, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Now, in episode 398, I dive deep on this idea of the awe of God. And so I I encourage you to check that out. But Malachi 2, 5 says, my covenant, this is God, my covenant with him was one of life and peace, and I gave them to him. It was a covenant of fear, and he feared me. He stood in awe of my name. So this covenant that includes life and peace and fear. Uh, Again, fear seems like the wrong word here, but it's further defined when God says he feared me, he stood in awe of my name. So fear of God is awe and and reverence. And the fear of God is also closely related to trusting him. In Psalm 40, verse 3, it says, He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. And then Psalm 115, 11 says, You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. So if you go to episode 397, I dive deep on the idea of trust. I'm actually using the same psalm as in episode 398 that I just mentioned. It's two sides of the same coin, the coin of the fear of God, which is reverence and awe and trust. Okay, so I encourage you to go. I'm going to link to all of these, the the previous shows, all of the verses, because I'm I'm going to be using a lot of verses in this episode. So you can check that out at michellekneesat.com forward slash 482. So you can have the list and look all look at all of it on your own. Now, fearing God also means hating and avoiding evil. So Proverbs 8.13 says, the fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, uh, pride and arrogance and the way of evil are and perverted speech I hate. And Proverbs 16, 6 says, again, by steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for, and by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. So this is how we resist our enemy who prowls around like a lion seeking to devour us. We fear God. And the Dictionary of Biblical Imagery says this, it's not too much to say that fearing God is virtually synonymous with having saving faith in him. So now that we have a better idea of what the fear of God is, let's explore some of the things that scripture attributes to the fear of God. Here's my list. I'm going to, again, I'm going to put it in the show notes for you to study on your own, but the fear of the Lord can be taught or chosen. It is closely connected with obedience to God's commands, to hating evil, to trusting God, to enjoying friendship with God, to obtaining deliverance and to experiencing life in its fullest. So let's look closer. The fear of the Lord can be taught. All right, Psalm 34:11 says, "Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord." But it can also be chosen, Proverbs 1:29, because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. So it can also be rejected, right? It can be taught, but and chosen, but it, that means if you consider the opposite that it could be rejected as well. Now, the fear of the Lord is connected throughout Scripture to obedience to God's commandments. In Ecclesiastes 12, 13, it says, The end of the matter has all been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Uh, it's also, again, we mentioned, equated with hating evil. Uh, Proverbs eight thirteen: the fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. And the fear of the Lord also leads to, again, as we mentioned, trusting God. Psalm 40, verse 3. Uh, many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. 
So as I've already mentioned uh, this verse, but the fear of the Lord also, again, leads to enjoying friendship with God. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him and he makes known to them his covenant. That's Psalm 25, 14. What if you need deliverance or other benefits? Psalm 33, 18. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love. So if you want God's eye um, of him to be upon you and to be a part of your life, again, that's that intimacy that we've been talking about. Psalm 34, 7. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Uh, Psalm 145, 19. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and he saves them. Proverbs 10, 27, the fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked will be short. Proverbs 22, 4, the reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. And finally, Proverbs 19, 23 says, the fear of the Lord leads to life and whoever has it rests satisfied. He will not be visited by harm. These are all just uh, wonderful examples of what it is, the benefits and the attributes of the fear of God. So now that we know what the fear of God is and what it isn't, uh, what we've learned, and we've learned so much more about the attributes of the fear of God, but how, before we end today, can we properly express the fear of the Lord? How can we display the awe of God that leads to such intimacy with him? Now, of course, you could study biblical characters that are said to exemplify the fear of God. And I honestly wish that we had time to do that together because we could learn so much from Abraham or Joseph or Job, all of which have been indicated in the Bible that they feared God. Uh, But I think I found a good summary scripture, and it comes from Deuteronomy, where God is teaching his chosen people how to relate to him. And as followers of Christ, we are God's chosen people. So if we can learn this lesson, we too can display a fear of God. So Deuteronomy chapter 10 verses 12 through 13. And now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good. So I took the bite of making a list, and that is basically just taking a verse like this that has multiple things and just writing it out in a bulleted form. And we properly show our reverence and awe for God when we walk in his ways, love him, serve him with all our heart and soul, keep his commandments and statutes, which by the way is his word, which we can't keep if we don't know what it says, which is what we're solving one bite at a time. And so um, again, just love him, walk in his ways, serve him, keep his commandments. These are the ways that you show or display your fear of the Lord. And we've run out of time, but I challenge you to go back to First Peter where we started. Look for Peter's exhortation for the people to love and serve and obey and walk in the ways of Jesus. It's all in that letter. And uh, look up every reference to fear. There's only a handful of, of references to fear. And then just consider, uh, in, in light of what we've discovered t- together today, just consider those, that word, those words for fear in the context of First Peter, which is a letter that you will have read in context this week. So Christ follower, it is time to walk in the fear of God. In the New Testament, believers were actually called God-fearers. That was one of the names. And so may we be known as God-fearers in our generation. 
So what's next? Well, read Peter's first letter to the believers scattered throughout the region of Asia Minor. Consider the context of suffering and persecution as you identify who the enemy is for them and for you. Meditate on what it is to fear the Lord, the results of fearing God, and how you should change your behavior to prove or to display that you fear God. And may the fear of God keep you and draw you into a closer relationship with him. And then while you're in God's word this week, let me know how you're doing. Email me, michelle at michellekneezat.com. You can hop on X or Instagram at michellekneezat or on Facebook, michellekneezat is my public page and we can talk about what you're learning. Now, More Than a Song is a proud member of the NRT Podcast Network and you can check out other podcasts in the network and Christian music resources at newreleasetoday.com. Don't forget to grab your episode guide at michellekneezat.com forward slash 482 download. And with that in mind, I want to thank my newest subscribers who've subscribed lately like James from Minnesota, Marlene from Colorado, Melanie from Wisconsin, Wilna from South Africa, Michelle from Louisiana, Christinia from Texas, and Rebecca from Indiana. Welcome. Now, don't forget, you can listen to the podcast directly on my website at michellekneezat.com or your podcast listening app of choice. And if you haven't left a review yet, could you do that today by heading over to lovethepodcast.com forward slash more than a song or just leaving a review in iTunes while you're in the app. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next time, I will be featuring Hallelujah Feeling by Caleb and John to dive into scripture. And if you liked this episode, however, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, X, or email. Just head over to michellekneezat.com forward slash 482. While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.